I'm eating. Sorry. No, you're fine. <laughs> there, Welcome there was, in. There was a ton of uh, Hawaiian rolls left from dinner on Sunday. So I was finishing up six of them. Oh my God, that sounds delicious. I love Hawaiian rolls. I love it. I was eating a piece of pizza one minute before this started, so. To another edition of the Goat Zoom Room. It's good to have you all back and listening. This is our second show, I believe, of 2022, the new year. And we are joined by a very special guest, joined by Sarah L. Now, Sarah, how do you pronounce your last name again? I already forget. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no Bodwe. Okay. Sarah L. Bodwe. There we go. Every time I see it, I know that's how I pronounce it. And then you said it, and I was like, okay, I can remember that. And then it just like completely slip my mind so super good to have you here Sarah and of course I'm joined as always by my lovely co-host Andy so excited for you all to be back listening to us in the new year um definitely excited to have Sarah on she's a face and a voice I have not known for very long in the horse racing industry and I think a lot would probably agree it just seemed like you know a couple of months ago you just popped up on my timeline now I feel like you're kind of everywhere now (laughs) you started with Horse Racing Nation and kind of doing your own little tidbit thing. So how did you get into the sport of horse racing? Uh, Well, to start, I would say that you're not alone. I think a lot of people share the same sentiments that I kind of came out of nowhere. And I like to joke around, like, you know, hashtag buzzhorse that everybody's talking about now, because that's kind of what happened. Um, but I've been a big fan of racing for about 10 years. So, you know, I'm saying I'm 26. And so 10 years ago, we're looking at I'm 16. And I'm, you know, watching through Express Bet with my mom's account that I made for her that she maybe didn't know about. Um, And I'm watching replays and I'm picking horses. And I had always been a big, you know, weird horse girl growing up. I took lessons and I always was around the horses doing barn work and just that typical barn brat hanging out. And, um, We had a close family friend that was really into the races and gambling, and she was always throwing these little gatherings for all the Triple Crown races. So year after year, it was kind of the one moment that everybody was excited and connecting about the same thing and really passionate about, you know, what's going to happen? And like, we all, you know, throw in a couple bucks and wager amongst ourselves and like draw a random horse out of a hat. And that was your pick for the race. And um, that really stuck out to me when I was a kid of being something that was just so exciting and so cool. And then once it was like, oh, if you're right about who's going to win, you can make money. This seems like the best thing ever. And I've just been hooked ever since. That's Probably, awesome. It, it just seems kind of funny that um, that people automatically expect you to, to like be perfect when it comes to this stuff especially like like Caitlin gets it a lot to where she's getting slammed by one person and being told that oh well you didn't win any races today how how do you deal with with that aspect of it because I mean this was kind of your first this was probably I'm gonna say probably a year since you put yourself out there right oh so, even less I just started making a Twitter in September Okay, so four four months, and <laughs> you you've basically you basically have wowed Ed DeRosa. Oh, it's hard to do. That's, right? <laughs> that's hard to do. But it, is it not true? Is he seems fairly wowed. Maybe Sham wowed. He'll like that one. Oh wow! 
She's even got DeRosa's like dry <laughs> sense of humor. No wonder he likes her. I just do it for him. It's not really my style. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, it's it's really difficult to to just pop in and be like, "Hey guys, listen up. This these are winners." I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that it had I not been the fan that I was to the point of being insanely obsessive um, to anyone you would ask that knew me before this, um, it would have been a much more intimidating environment to come into. And not saying that it's not because there's so much that I need to learn about actually, you know, being a public face in this industry. And um, that's a whole other realm that I'm kind of just jumping in the deep end of. But as far as actually handicapping and talking about the horses and, you know, being able to sort of back myself up on what I am talking about, that's not necessarily new for me. And so it gives me a big edge of like, okay, I totally came out of nowhere onto this scene and there's a whole lot to learn in that area. But when we're talking about horses and watching races together, I do have something to say because I've been watching as a fan pretty much on a daily basis for about 10 years now. That's about like Caitlin's whole deal, right, Kate? Yeah, kind of how I got started was a lot of the same way. I grew up around horses. I was in the barn. I went to um, Equine Veterinary College and got my um, like veterinary technician's degree. Um, but I was just around horses and I knew horses physically so well. And I love to bet. I love being around horses. And I think I don't want to say like I have something different that sets me apart from other people, but I think having that schooling is an edge that a lot of people don't have. So I think that's why people think I'm, you know, different and I have that pedigree type of knowledge. So, I mean, I started out a lot of the same way. I think I really started falling in love with it when I was probably like 13 or 14 and just kind of, you know, went along with it. But I would say the best advice anybody has ever given me is find your niche in this industry, find what makes you unique. And I mean, being a woman and being young is already, you're off to like a fantastic start there because there's not a lot of us. So yeah, definitely find what makes you you and brand it. And it will go a long way because companies will be like, hey, we don't have anything like that. (laughs) And we'll kind of seek that out. For sure. And I think that, you know, you definitely should tell that more as for yourself, because that is a unique thing that I know that a lot of handicappers don't really look at. And the ones that do, they maybe don't look at the form as much or stats as much or whatever. Right. If you're able to bring a little bit of both, even if it's just a little bit of both, you already have such a big edge. I, I definitely agree. And I think one of the hardest things for me, you know, has I think my biggest challenge has been the difference between Churchill and Turfway is like, I was just doing a physical report for Churchill, like talking about the horses in the paddock and just doing interviews and like talking to people and giving like a report versus at Turfway, like I'm handicapping, I'm structuring tickets and like doing this, this and this. So it's good to like do both. So, I mean, it's not, <laughs> this is not a podcast about me. I feel like people know <laughs> most of that stuff, but like everybody, How did did you kind of like get started with Horse Racing Nation? Like what really fueled that? So in November, I got an email because I was thinking about making my own website um, and just 
giving out my clicks on there and sort of developing that. And so I bought a domain. So I own outruntheodds.com, which is kind of like the brand that I put out there for myself on Twitter with that being my you know handle and all that. And I got mm-hmm. an email from Ed in early November and he goes, what is this? And so <laughs> he kind of saw whatever was going on on Twitter and was like, what is this all about? You know, like what's going on here? So I was like, oh mm-hmm. my God, Ed DeRosa's emailing me. And so then I replied and I'm like, oh, so great to hear from you. Um, this is kind of the vision that I'm trying to develop and maybe get a job in the industry. But right now it's just me giving out ideas on Twitter and I don't really know what I'm doing and just, you know, like, let me know. And it kind of started from there. And one thing has totally led to another. Like I posted a stable duel stable where I won like a free competition. And then Matthew DeSantis of the Win Play Show messaged me and he was like, hey, I'd love to have you on the pod. And then from there, other people noticed that. And it's a big, wonderful snowball effect that then had me being aggressive and sending Ed a resume and being like, just in case. And then, you know, we ended up talking, I ended up talking to Mark Midland and one thing led to another and now here I am. (laughs) That's awesome. So I know um, when I've talked to Ed at Churchill, like recently, he's wanting to really bring the vision of handicapping to Horse Racing Nation, not just like being a blog or like a site. He's wanting to kind of like make it an all the way around thing. It seems like that's something you two have kind of like really been working on together. Absolutely. There's a lot of really great ideas buzzing around at Horse Racing Nation and a lot of um, vision for what that's going to be in the future. And it's just really exciting to kind of be a part of that development and have those meetings and kind of get to see where things go. And I love that we're all sort of figuring it out together. So nobody is without a voice in what the future of HRN looks like. And I think that that's a really important thing to bring up about the future of horse racing in general, because someone that's younger like you and someone that's younger like me, there aren't a lot of people our age that have the same interest in racing that we do. And so to be able to kind of revolutionize you know, how racing is discussed to the general public is sort of like big lofty aspiration of mine for the general future. Like, let's bring this to people that don't know anything about racing. Let's talk about this with people that wouldn't be watching this otherwise. Let's get them excited about this and feeling the same way that we do about it because this is the best thing ever. And the more people have access to that in the same ways that we feel about it, the more interest we're going to get. I'm, uh, A, I'm, I'm kind of hurt that you didn't put me in the young category. Um, <laughs> well, you didn't cool. share your age. <laughs> that's all good. Um, that's all good. We all, we all know I'm old. And, you know, I'm closer to kicking up dirt than I am actually being alive anymore. But what, what would you say to the people that are already in the game, like, like the old timers? Because let, let's face it, I'm an old timer, right? I, I, don't like, I don't like a lot of things... I don't like a lot of things to change. So how are you going to get the old timers to change? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm more willing to change, but <laughs> the older people. Uh, yeah. I mean, you ask a great question. I think that my game plan is more of let's earn the respect to be listened to first by the people that have been in this game for a long time. And the best way to do that is with good handicapping. And if you have like accountability with your handicapping and it's not that you have to give out a winner however often or that you have to, you know, always be like making this much money or whatever, because let's face it, it's horse racing. It's not like you're going to have a great day all the time. Everybody's going to have their losses and that's just how the game is. 
but to be able to kind of show that like, hey, like I gave out whatever information and I hold myself accountable for it because I did it and it happened and you may be won and you may be lost. And, but if you listen to me, at least you know that I'm gonna, you know, step up to the plate and say like, this is what happened and I take responsibility for that. And I think that that's sort of a quality that, you know, the oldest person in the game can still find admirable. Um, Kaylin's heard me say this quite a few times. There are certain handicappers that put out their information and they get they want to get paid to put out, out information. We do it for free on our mm-hmm. site because, I mean, I'm going to gamble on the races anyway, so it doesn't really matter. So might as well just put it out. Um, but he basically said, don't ever tell people you're sucking at a track. It's horrible. And I'm like, I'm like dude, you're not going to be perfect all the time. And it's not like people who buy this stuff is, aren't going to know that you suck. So <laughs> what does it matter if, if you just tell people instead of people buying your stuff and realizing it? At least they know it's that you're going to buy Right. Right? And I was right. looking at your right. tweets. I mean, you, you do pretty well at tracks that are really hard to, to gauge right out of the bat, right off the right off the right off of the start of a meet oh, i appreciate that yeah i'd never wagered on a single race at tam houston before so that was fun to kind of dive into and see what's going on there and i think like the biggest advertising label i can give them is low takeout which is you know something that's kind of unique to them yeah they're great they're awesome um so what are some of the things that, that you want to see changed in racing? Oh boy. I have like a million lists in my head about that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think that the biggest thing really does go back to like my own value that I kind of tout myself for of just accountability. You know, everybody is human. Everybody makes mistakes. Sometimes you're not always going to do everything perfectly. But just to say like, hey, I messed up, you know, I did this wrong or I could have done this better. And here's all the ways that we're going to change this next time around to make sure that we're being more transparent and more, you know, valuing the public opinion a little bit more and making sure that it's heard and listened to. And I wrote something that I put on my Instagram um, around when Medina Spirit passed and it was basically saying, you know, like, if we can't admit that there are things in this industry that need to be changed, then this industry is eventually not going to exist anymore. And so, you know, there doesn't have to be horse racing. This is, you know, this is a sport that doesn't have to exist. And so to kind of realize that it's time for a lot of things to change, and that starts with, to me, certain people being accountable for the ways that they might need to change. Yeah, I think, I think you came on the radar with a lot of people right after that. Like, you think? I have no idea. Your, about that was you know. your lightning rod moment. That was like the was it? Okay, I lightning rod moment. <laughs> I mean, Caitlin might disagree with me, but I think that's when a lot of people took notice. Yeah, I I would definitely agree because I think it says a lot, you know, especially when young people are speaking up and trying to like buck that normality of saying, hey, we, we, you know, like you said, things happen, people make mistakes, you know, 
horses die. Sometimes there is cross-contamination. You know, things happen. Not everything can be perfect. That's just, you know, not a fact of life. Mm-hmm. But encouraging people to just be honest and be held accountable. So many people either do want to see that happen or they don't want to see that happen. But I mean, I think for a new generation to step, step up and be like, no, we're going to change this because we want the sport to survive. I think, you know, that is what people recognize. And I think they respect it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I have no idea what was going on, like, in the actual industry um, and within the racing community as I'm, you know, just yelling into the fake bluebird about my ideas and whatnot before I'm actually here and, you know, meeting people and having these kinds of conversations. It's kind of been like I've been in my little huddle in Massachusetts, not having a clue what's really going on. So it's really interesting to hear from your perspective of like when things kind of sat with people that they wanted to like sit up and pay attention to what was going on. So that's it's very interesting. And I think it kind of just like backs what I thought um, as far as like, you know, my values going forward as, you know, someone that's in the public eye doing this. So that's pretty cool. Was either you, it was either Caitlin or I that saw the tweet and, and we do a lot of like chat messages on Twitter with friends and all that. And I think she, either I or her put it on there and I think we I think either I said it or she said it and I'm like look at this rookie just coming out and just firing like this I don't know whether or not she's going to be like and and Rose is like what's the problem with her and I'm like okay uh, there's not a problem but you know this takes a lot of stones to do this Ed and he's like then like a week later he's like oh she's been hired <laughs> that's so funny yeah I asked him the other day I was like not coming in too hot like what do you think and he's like no it's fine I was like okay well I can do that so just always let me know but I think it's necessary and I think that I think that if I wasn't a good handicapper then the scrutiny is warranted about anything else I have to say then it's kind of like all right well who does this girl think that she is but if you know the game and you can, you know, kind of like talk the talk alongside other horse players and people in the industry and also know something about horses enough, not that I'm saying I'm sort of any sort of expert about horses in general, but like I do have a bachelor's in equine studies and that's kind of like more my background um, to have like some sort of credibility in that way to then come up with all these sort of hot takes and, you know, really fire away into the Twitter community. It's, more um I'm more okay with it I'll say that I think that's something go ahead no go ahead first and then I'll I was gonna say I think that's something you know that a lot of people that are members of the horse racing media like myself included and obviously going to be you in the future is it's really hard because I feel like there's like kind of an unwritten goals on this in this game and like you have to like ride a fine line but I really like that you kind of like push the boundary a little bit and I think a lot of people do like without saying that I I I think it's so refreshing because you know there's certain people in certain networks like not to mention any names that like don't allow that type of stuff right but I mean I think it's you know people that broadcast the sport and talk about it like we're not just like talking heads as people say or just like just regurgitating information like I think it's important for people to get talk about the sport every day to have opinions and I think I think that's one thing that does suck and especially like with horse racing Twitter and I mean other sports and stuff like that too it feels like you can't 
have a certain type of opinion. I mean, you can share information and be honest and be transparent, but I mean, you can't really say how you feel. So, right. And even, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, Sarah. Oh, I was just going to say, even to generalize that further, I think that like that's a unique challenge in society that I'm sure that you're familiar with and it's kind of just like unique to being a young woman in general of like you're not allowed Absolutely. to have a certain opinion you're not allowed to speak your mind about something you're not allowed and it's like it's not like anybody's saying oh you can or like any one specific person is responsible for that but it's one of those unwritten rules of like you are viewed societally as less than and for me it's kind of always been a, like I don't think so so it, to bring that into horse racing is just very natural yeah I mean I think I think there's I think I mean Caitlin knows I've been doing this since I was 17 right so we're going on 30, 34 years next week um happy almost birthday no I already had my birthday I'm talking about just like being being out in the game for as long as I've been in it, it'll be 34 years next well, week when I started working. And I worked for, uh, I, I first worked for George Vogel who had all the spin thruff horses before the thruff got big. And then um, Richard Mandela and then Jude Feld and Heath. Um, the names go on and on, but um, I, I find it that regardless of whatever barn you're in you just there's just like this thing where you just can't say things right yep mm -hmm. now you take it to the opposite side to where i mean Kate, caitlin knows a lot of people on the back side you're gonna know people on the back side they're gonna tell you things and they're gonna tell you things that are right and some things that it's just pardon my french but just full shit just to see mm -hmm. what they're gonna tell people just mm -hmm. to gauge it and I always find it funny that that there's like this unwritten rule that you can't say anything, right? It's like, oh, the, the unwritten rule that was broken with the Medina Spirit thing was that somebody actually tweeted out that it was Medina Spirit because somebody saw it. Now, if nobody saw it, it would have just been swept under the rug and it would have been like the Caitlin deal where it's like, why haven't we heard about Snowfall? And then all of a sudden somebody says, oh, there was an accident somewhere. Right. And right. So, so it takes a lot of it takes a lot to be able to break down the deal and say, look, if I were to say something now about a trainer back when, like I'm very vocal about Bob Baffert because and I'm very vocal about Doug O'Neill and I, there's other trainers. I'm OK with doing it. I put my time into it to where if I say what I'm saying, I'm saying it because I know what's going on. And so it's important that people pay their dues. And I think some of the ways that people pay their dues is by doing what you and Caitlin did. Caitlin went to vet school. Caitlin learned about the horses. Caitlin can tell you what's going on with the horse. You can tell us what's going on with the horse because you went to equine, you, you have equine services backgrounds. So there's more, there's more of a respect thing, at least for me, because you've actually put the work in compared to some people who haven't. Wow, well, oh, thank way you. Way to go just to that point. Well, I, I definitely agree. There's some people that just kind of come from nowhere and are just like, I know everything because I'm a gambler. And not <laughs> that, I mean, gamblers make the sport go round. Without horses and without gamblers, horse racing doesn't exist. 
So, I mean, there's something to be said about that, but there's definitely people that, and I have a few people in mind, obviously. Oh, I'll Mark those. Oh, no, no, we're not. I'll go out and say it. No, I'll, we're I'll not. Name it. I mean, I got into it on Twitter with him. On New and Year's. I'm talking about, like, there's plenty of people I can think of that, you know, haven't been around a horse, haven't been an exercise rider, haven't been on the backside, haven't worked at a stud farm, haven't shadowed a trainer, you, or like grew up around the industry that so, I mean, it just like helps build credibility and there's just, you know, so many things about it, but let me, let me ask you both a question right now. You guys both watch race replays. I know for a fact that Caitlin does. I'm assuming mm-hmm. Sarah because there's things that I've, I've seen one or two. So when somebody new doesn't understand what's going on in a race with say a jockey, Mm -hmm. what do you, what do you, how do you explain it to them? I'll let you go first. (laughs) Race race replays are really like one of the only things you can do. And I mean, I'm no expert on jockeys because obviously I'm not a jockey. And, but I mean, I think, you know, being around horses most of my life, that's where it kind of helps is um, you can kind of gauge the horse's behavior and you can also kind of see what the jockey's doing. Um, Or, you know, you obviously have to know the jockeys too. It's like far tougher if you're not familiar with that circuit or it's not a big name jockey to kind of like know kind of how they ride anyway. So I would say, you know, race replays. And I still think, and I know people like, complain about equibase sometimes equibase charts and just like the charts and chart comments in general yes i still watch back a ton of film but they're there for a reason and you can kind of gauge a lot about what happens in a race based off stuff like that now if you're you know trying to explain what a jockey did you would need film but just going back and reassessing the race and i don't know it's hard to explain something to people that really aren't familiar with it. And I would say, I mean, that's hard of most sports, but especially hard with horse racing because there's just so many variables. Definitely. Um, I totally agree with you that it's kind of like, it's one of those things that's difficult to explain, but it's also one of those things that you pick up the more that you watch. And the, Ways that I would like to go about explaining how jockeys are riding a certain way or what a certain ride means to someone else is like, I hate the term bad ride, but sometimes people make mistakes and it's like, okay, you shouldn't have gone inside or, you know, what are you doing? Like, this doesn't really make sense to me. Like, it's not a job that I envy. And I think everybody's so quick to criticize so many jockeys. And then it's like, all right, like, are you out there? Can you ride at all? Like, can you even like, you know, sit on a horse correctly? You know, who knows? Um, But I think watching their body language when they're sitting chilly or when they're like really asking a horse or, you know, if they're like going left handed when the horse is ducking in and they're not correcting themselves, like something like that. Like those are the tells to me that say, you know, what is this rider doing? What does this rider think of what's underneath them? And how can you use this next time out? Um, So I I think I, I. I kind of have like a unique perspective of writers because uh, my sister was one and she 
wrote for a long time and um, was successful at it. But um, my my whole theory is has always been when I watch race replays, I try to see where the hands are, and I always tell I, I tell anybody who's new that's trying to learn how to raid watch race replays is to watch the hands. Don't worry about the horse's action. Don't worry about anything. Watch where the riders have their hands and make notes of it because inevitably you're going to find something down the road where you're going to be like, huh, he didn't have his hands on that horse like that and he won a race. I wonder if he does that again with another live horse. And then all of a sudden you see it and all of a sudden you can pick up on it. Um, and then there's other ones where, I mean, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of horses that just are not horses, but riders that just don't have no heart and refuse to go on the rail. And those are automatic throws when you know the horse needs to be on the rail. Uh, but I, I kind of find it funny that, that people don't watch race replays other than I'm going to watch the horse. And if the horse gets in trouble, well, why did the horse get in trouble? Was it the rider's fault? Because a lot of times a horse gets in trouble because of the rider. It's not the horse's fault. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I think it's a whole picture. I think when, I, when I'm when i watching race replays, I'm laser focused on whatever horse that I'm trying to watch. And then I'm also looking at where are they in regards to the rest of the field? What is the rest of the field doing? Is the pace backing up? Is the pace totally stopping and other horses are closing? You know, how is this rider communicating with this horse? Are they finishing up ears going back and forth full of run? Or are they really being dogged to the wire? Are they being intimidated by being on the inside or being in traffic? Like, there's just so many things to look for. Yeah, it's a lot. It, it takes it takes a special kind of person to do it, and both of you have it. So, I I give you guys my seal of approval. Like, if like <laughs> matters. I'm but, waiting for a stamp in the mail. Oh yeah, <laughs> it'll, come, it'll come with it'll come with like my suggestions for EDM, which are slim and none. So. I'm like, so then why did you want to talk about it? Huh? <laughs> why did you want to talk about it? Because you said 30 minutes of it. You said you could do 30 minutes of EDM. I could, but I'm not trying to bore everybody. Caitlin. I don't even know what EDM is. <laughs> it's electronic dance music. Oh, see. Well, stuff goes over, Sarah, you will learn stuff goes over my head so easily. And people were always, <laughs> I always just be sitting there like, what are you, like, I was talking about this earlier on Twitter. Like, everybody's doing that Wordle thing. I know, I like your post. <laughs> I was like, okay, I've looked at the website that talks about it. I've looked at every tweet. I, I feel so left out because, like, I don't understand. And I'm just like, okay. I don't like so it. <laughs> okay so if we're like looking for a word of the day like what do the squares mean and i don't know i'm, I'm like that about everything but <clears throat> it's a puzzle so, that i don't want to dabble in and ed sends me his progress every morning now and i'm just like you go i'm just so proud of you i have no idea what's going on oh he right. does it. if it makes you if it doesn't make you feel important he does it to us too wow I don't he, feel important anymore. He said he puts it on him and Andrew Champagne will like extensively tell us how well they do, and it's like okay, that's cute. I love that he's touting his wordle progress. We'll see how he does at Sam Houston tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> see, this is why Ed hired you to make I'm fun just, of him. I'm not. Does he need I'm somebody not to do that, Caitlin. 
Am, mm. am I not kidding about that? That Ed probably has more respect for her because she can shoot from the hip and isn't afraid of him? Yeah, he respects people that are certainly obtuse and can take jokes and can make jokes. Because, I mean, <laughs> Ed has a very weird sense of humor where you never know if he's serious or kidding, but he's always kidding. But when he tells you a joke to your face, he has a straight face every time. I will admit that he's gotten me a few times with things where I'm like, really? And he's like, no. And I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> so has he forced you to do Skyline yet? That's a question. Okay, we so we were supposed to go last week when it snowed. And then we ended up canceling because everybody else is a little afraid of the snow here in Kentucky. And I get it. If you don't have the snow tires, you don't have the salt on the roads. It's not the same. You're not used to it. It's a whole brand new situation. But coming from Massachusetts, I was just like, let's go. Like, go, come on. Like, I have my RAV4 and I got my snow tires and I'm ready. But, hey, I'm not trying to offend anybody that's, you know, taking it slow in the snow. It can be dangerous. There's ice, all that. But missed out on the Skyline trip. So we got to reschedule soon. You're not missing anything, let me tell you that. As somebody that grew up in Ohio the same way as Ed did, you're not missing anything. I have heard a lot of mixed reviews about Skyline. And I said, I actually said this morning to someone, I was like, I will give it one chance and we'll see. Okay. My boyfriend is absolutely obsessed with it and would like live and die by it. Like that's what he wanted (laughs) to eat for his birthday meal was Skyline. I'm just like, Seems like him and Ed need to go on a a date together. Him and Ed are kindred spirits. He loves hanging out with Ed. Adorable. Well, you know, he is only what now? Four foot three now? Is that what we've made him? He's growing. He is. That's good. That's good. (laughs) At some point, I'll get to meet him like I was supposed to meet him during New Year's, but apparently that didn't work. Well, I ended up, I have literally been sick every day of 2022. I don't understand. Like, I'm, I was supposed to go out to the, all the stud open houses this weekend and do Turfway. Well, guess what? I can't be out in the cold. So, I'm just going to have to see about all this stuff. Oh, I'm mm. sorry. Yeah, it's um, quite disappointing. It's hard when you keep testing negative for COVID, then it's just like, well, what's going on? You know, because I well, think everybody's... Mad because I've only <laughs> tested once, and there's no... This is just like a whole can of worms. Like you should have brought that up. There is no test to be had in my county unless you want to wait like five hours at the doctor's office. And like, I, I don't have time for that. Like even on right. my day off, I don't have time for that. So I'm just like treating it like I do have it. So that sounds responsible. Whatever. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's just annoying. I'm ready for it to go away. So right. I, I was sure. waiting. I was waiting for Caitlin to get really messy and drop an F-bomb because I knew it was coming and she completely didn't do it. And now I'm disappointed. <laughs> you didn't tell me that we could swear on here. Oh, yeah. We, we, took a, we, <laughs> so we, went from, we went from trying to keep it family friendly and then three straight weeks, Caitlin just started dropping F-bombs. So I'm like, the hell with this. We're just all going to do it. So, Love it. Yeah, if you can get an organic one out of me, I'm here for it. But I'm not just going to say it to say it, you know? Yeah. Um, what do you think is one of the hardest things to to do for, at least for, like, um, um, to, what do you think is the hardest thing to handicap? What, what track would be the hardest place to handicap? Um, for me, honestly, and hopefully this changes this year, um, Churchill Downs. 
I was actually talking about this this morning. I, I have never really had significant success at Churchill just because I feel like, especially their dirt course, the bias with the inside is ever changing to like the point of like, okay, this day we have an inside rail bias and then it's a speed bias. And then this day it's this bias and the other day. It's, and so it's like, if you're not on the inside and you're not the speed, then you have no shot some days and the next day that could be totally irrelevant. And then the day after that, it could be back. And it's like, I don't know what's going on here. Like this is too much to contend with. So I think that that's my, uh, my Achilles heel of tracks so far, which sucks because it's such a big one. Um, what, Caitlin, which one's yours? Is it, I know you don't say any Churchill tracks because, you know, you work for them. So, right. <laughs> believe, it, believe it or not, it is the track that I visit most and that's Keeneland. Oh no, Keeneland, Keeneland, you could, I think if you were to, if you were to pull handicappers, I would say that if you were to ask handicappers, how often do they feel that they have a grasp of Keeneland and actually hit their races that they thought they would hit? I would guarantee that 98% would say that they didn't hit the right races, but they got the lucky. most, the most confident I have ever felt going into one of our contest days was Keeneland on Shadwell turf mile day, which I, it's not Shadwell anymore. The turf mile day. I felt so good. I'm like, man, I'm going to get like $200 in points. I'm going to pull a rabbit out of my hat. I had like five bucks in points. I, I could not have been more wrong. And I'm like, how did I read this so wrong? So Keeneland, I would say, I would say, honestly, the tracks that I had the most success at, and I'm not just saying this, like, because I, I've started doing Turfway because I also have a decent feel for Woodbine. But I do decent on synthetic tracks, and obviously turf is my jam. So anything with a traditional dirt course, it takes me a little bit longer. So that's interesting that you say that that you guys both say that about Keeneland because I found last year I had a lot of success there, both spring and fall, and um, it was kind of like the only other non Naira track that I was like, I feel good about this. So yeah. I think yeah, I, one of you, one of you will have to take me to Churchill, and I'll have to take you guys to Keeneland. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what it is about me and Keeneland because I go almost every every weekend. If yeah, I go like every day at Keeneland, and like it's so crazy. So I mean, I guess it just kind of you know depends. I did well there during the spring meet, but the fall was a total crapshoot for me. I don't know why that was. I don't know if it was just because like it was unseasonably hot, or if there was you know a bias I really didn't figure out or I wasn't prepared for. Um, Churchill can be tough. Like, as you said, things are ever-changing there. But really, I think one of the things I've looked at when it comes to Churchill is horses that have ran over that surface before. And there's some horses for what, whatever odd reason, if they don't take to any other dirt course, they'll take to that. Just, re- just remember one thing with Churchill, too, that if it rains in the morning or in the evening and it doesn't rain before the first post, that track dries out fast. Mm, okay. They'll still list it as, as good or sloppy, though. And they will, but it it is dry. It is no, I, I said the exact same thing. One day when I was reporting there, it was listed as sloppy or good. I can't remember. And I'm, you know, I'm a believe it until I see it type of person. So I went out and I stepped on that track, and it was a completely grade above that. Yeah. And like within two races, it was upgraded to fast. Yep. 
Interesting. So I'll ask you because I asked Jessica Burkett last week about this. Um, now, have you ever built a sandcastle on a track before? No, but no. <laughs> I have. I I I I made the greatest center field catch in Los Alamitos softball history in that in that um, in that infield up. Okay, well, but did you soft... build a sandcastle? No, but I fell. In, but but I did fall into a bunch of rose bushes and ended up making an incredible catch. I mean, that's a great story, but I mean, it's not the question. <laughs> yeah. So no, I have not. All right. Well, that's on my bucket list is to build a little sandcastle on one of these tracks one day. Do it at Belmont because that's going to be your most sandy track. Although. They all just seem kind of sandy to me in a way. Instead of like more dirt, it's kind of like a clay-ish type of dirt. And then, you know, your your synthetic courses. Does anybody, I might be the only one that's ever seen this. Does anybody remember um, when they would have beef jerky, but it was in like a can, like they put dip in and it was just like beef jerky, like shavings. Yeah, they still have it. That's what tapita looks like to me. Yeah. This sounds terrible. Yeah, it's great stuff, especially if you used to dip and you want to get off of it. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly <laughs> what synthetic courses remind me of. Like if I like if mm-hmm. I have a craving to dip again, I usually just go straight to the straight to the beef jerky. Straight to the beef jerky because I can get the same type of same, same type, type of high. I can't do the high, but you know what I mean. Like I, you could, I, I thankfully don't. <laughs> you could put that tapita stuff in one of those cans and it would fool me for sure oh it look uh, like wow we had we had a hot walker who wanted to stop myself nick hines and heath stokes from and uh and heath stokes from dipping because we all worked because she worked for us and she uh she went into a stall got some got some horse shit and put it back into a dip can and the next day we went to go try to dip and realized it was shit and we stopped dipping pretty much quick. How effective. So yeah, there, yeah, I've got a lot of racing. If I ever die, I'm going to have a whole list of racing stories that I'm going to give to Caitlin. <laughs> I will treasure them and write a book. That's I was going to say, you better publish that. <laughs> well, I got to wait for some of the people to die before they come after me. Um, <laughs> But, then I will be haunted beyond the grave. Well, no, I told, I basically, well, yeah, but they would be too. Um, I basically told somebody <laughs> the other day that uh, a renowned trainer failed there. I was having a conversation with our client, Caitlin, mm-hmm. and he was talking about one of his former trainers. And he's like, oh, you know, he, he doesn't know anything about the horse. I go, yeah. I go, his, his most successful time was with Nick Hines. And I said, you realize that he meant that he failed his test six times to be a California trainer, even though his dad was a trainer. Hmm. Okay. Well, let me ask you, how many times do you think that I failed my driver's test? Oh, I failed. So on purpose or by accident? (laughs) On accident. (laughs) Uh, Three times. That's actually weirdly correct. So in California, there's a six different written tests deal. And because I was the youngest of my class, 
I took the bullet and went and took it six different times so I could get all six tests so all my friends could pass it. What That's a, a good hero. friend. Huh? That's a good That's friend. Well, and yeah, I said I you're charged, a hero. I also charged $10 per test. Enterprising, too. I mean, I feel like that's not enough. (laughs) Uh, No, it wasn't. Now, is this a service that you still offer for new drivers? Who, me? Yeah. Have you still, are you still failing? Uh, According to some people in Kentucky, probably, but no, I have a license now. No, because I mean, I don't understand. Are you aggressive in Kentucky? All right, let me say this. I'm not necessarily an aggressive driver, yeah, but I told you to I, go wherever the, the conversation takes us. So here we I go. I see that. Um, I know that people want to hear about my thoughts on driving even more, so I'm just going to give the people what they want. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm an aggressive driver. I will say that I kind of drive with the mentality as if I was riding a racehorse. And so if I see a, a little bit of daylight or room to shift into a lane, I'm doing it. Um, earlier today I saw a bicycle, like just a regular bike in the middle of the road. And I actually tweeted about it and I was like, you know, for a second, I was like, we can make that fence. And I was like, let's not, it's a car. So I swerved around at the last second. (laughs) There's a lot going on out here. The snow, the obstacles in the road. So it's a whole new experience. You will, you will will quickly learn that the fastest way, are you in Louisville or, or Lexington? I'm in Louisville. Oh, okay. The fastest way to get around Louisville is not to take, not to take the highways. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Yeah, I'm about 10 minutes from the office right now, but I'm going to be moving into a sublet in a little bit. But then once I have my own place, I'm sure it'll be in Louisville. So I'll be around. I love, I, I love um, Louisville, but if you had to have me live somewhere in Kentucky, it'd be Lexington. Where are you located right now? Me? I'm in Houston. I get to see I get to see your boss in like three weeks. Who's my boss? Ed? Yeah. He yeah, he's on boss? his way to bother you. Is he not your boss? Well, I keep trying to tell him that he's my friend, and I don't know if he feels the same way, but yeah, he's technically my boss. Yeah, he's uh, coming out here to Sam Houston Race Park, I think. I Unless think that is in his plans. Maybe he'll uh, bother you for some good food or something. No, he won't. He he oh, he he told me he was going to take me somewhere to eat, and I asked him where, and he said Whataburger. And I'm like, dude, I eat Whataburger all the time. <laughs> I'll make it happen for you. No, nah, I'm good. I, trust me. <laughs> trust me. If I really, if I really, what he really should do is take me to like some of the barbecue places in Louisville that he always talks about because I can. I'll just take you to Skyline. No, because he knows I have problems with Skyline. <laughs> That's the one thing where I'm going to forewarn you now, that if you have a weak stomach, do not eat Skyline. Yeah, it's, um, I'm hearing so many interesting things about Skyline, and I'll be very curious to see what my first actual experience is like. Caitlin, are you a Gold Star or Skyline person? I don't like chili. Oh, well, then you're not really an Ohioan. I guess not. Is that where you're from? <laughs> yes, that's where I'm from, and that's where I currently am. But I'm looking to relocate to Kentucky very soon, too. Oh, um, nice. So, so out of curiosity, you, you mentioned JP, the great. Um, how much of 
How much health has she been? Jess? Yes. Oh, I don't I don't know her personally. Um okay. we've just chatted like very, very briefly on Twitter, but she seems like a good dude. Like I'm excited. I'm doing a little brief um live well not live, um recording with her tomorrow morning to kind of get her picks for one of the multi-race sequences at Sam Houston. And we're gonna talk about that during our uh HRN live stream. So I'm excited yeah. to have an opinion of hers to bring on to add to our thing. And it, it's, you know, really sh- it's really a shame have- that Ed doesn't think about me when it comes to Sam Houston Race Park, seeing how I just live down the street from it. But hey, I guys, mean, you if know. you'd like to be a special no, I'm guest, ju- I'm, I'm just giving you guys a bad time. <laughs> I'm giving you guys a bad time. I give him a bad time all the time. Good. Somebody should. Um, if you would like to be on either of you, both of you, just let me know. I can make that happen for you. No, hit hit me up for Turfway. (laughs) What's wrong with do you not like in the uh rate that racetrack? Sam Houston, it's not that I don't like it, I'm just not very familiar with it. I think I'm gonna tell tell our contest person to do a, a day at Sam Houston. Well, I heard for one of our contests coming up that we're doing Bush League tracks. No, we're not. So, No, we're not. We talked about it. You know who we should get to do the, the contest? Who? We should put in a word for, for Sarah to do it. What we am I doing? Should, it's a secret underground contest that we do for different tracks throughout the year. And yeah, I like can secrets. certainly... It's, it's secretive. Um, <laughs> the only thing is, is that you have to deal with a lot of, uh, what's the word? Males? Mulling people. <laughs> Men. Men. The male population, a.k.a. horse racing. No. Literally, anytime we make a group chat, it goes on mute immediately. <laughs> oh, yours does? Immediately. Are, are I we love it. that bad? Well, I mean, you guys send messages every second of every day, and my phone's just like ping, 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 and I'm like, so I mute it. But I mean, I check it once every hour or so and catch up on it, or like I'll see if my name is mentioned. But like, I cannot have the notifications on for that. Like, my phone would die. <laughs> I love it. I've been like scheduling myself like phone time to like catch up with everybody, which has been. Um, very good at kind of reducing the alarms that are always sounding from my cell phone now. Pretty cool. I, um, I wish I could do that, but inevitably somebody will mention or, or will drag me into a conversation. <laughs> you should ask Ed how much we, I wonder how much we made for the Ronald McDonald house the other day, just because. I will make a note of it. Oh, no, I was going to ask him right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, let him know. <laughs> no, we we basically just started donating to the Ronald McDonald House in our in our conversations. Oh, that's Out awesome. Out of nowhere, we just started doing it. Um, I love me some chicken nuggets. What do you, where are you going to, oh, yeah, that is McDonald's. Never mind. <laughs> um, I'm hanging up. Where are some of the racetracks that you want to visit? Um, Keeneland's top of the list as far as like what's coming up and most accessible. 
Um, I'd love to visit Santa Anita at least once to see what that's like and see the mountains in the background and kind of get, you know, the California feel for a second. I don't really see myself like ever wanting to live in that area, but I'd love to visit at least once and see what that's like. Um, I'm totally spoiled. Like I, the first track I ever went to was Saratoga when I was a teenager. And so it's kind of like, I've been to all three Naira tracks. Um, that's like my niche spot of like, I could look at the entries and know at least half the horses that are running most likely just because I've spent so much time watching all of the New York circuit. So you become like super familiar with it and then it makes handicapping that circuit a lot easier for me. Um, I'd love to go to Gulfstream in Florida. I've been to Churchill Downs once, but I mean, all of them in the U.S. at some point, that would be really cool. Have you have you are you obviously you've relocated to Louisville have you thought about like what your summer plans are yet or what tracks you can hit there I mean you got Belterra you got Alice Park you got you got a lot of smaller tracks too absolutely um and then we're not even that far from Indiana Grand like it's not necessarily like a big summer spot but it's around um yeah, I don't really know what I'm doing like tomorrow. So as far as like summer plans, it's a little bit far off. Um, I'd love to spend some time at Saratoga again because that's kind of where I spent most of last summer. Like I just went ahead and got myself a season pass and I went up there like six or seven times, um, which was incredible. And like, I'm so privileged to be able to like go do that. I got to go to my first Travers Day. So I got to take my own video of Friends I Fired, taking a bite out of Yaw Pond, which was so cool. Um, but I mean, like, I'm just going to stay local for the most part. And, you know, I see where this whole new adventure with HRN takes me. I'm just really excited to kind of get started and get my foot in the door in the industry in general. And, you know, ways that that company and I can help each other to you know, establish a new vision for the future. And also like, it's a great learning opportunity for me to work with somebody with like Ed and Mark and, you know, Candace, Ron and Matt and everybody there. So who knows, you know, I'm open to wherever this whole thing takes me and seeing what goes on and going with the flow. Yeah, I think, I think you've landed in probably the most ideal spot. And that's and that's based on on the other places that you had a choice to go to from our understanding. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, and I don't I don't want to say anything that, you know, might come back to bite me later about any of those other places, because I'm just you know very humbled and grateful and lucky to even be considered for any of them. Um, and it's always a door that I would keep open in the future because a lot of great people are doing a lot of great things. But I just felt very strongly that this was the right landing spot for me, at least to start with. I, I think this was perfect for you, honestly. And, you know, Caitlin, Caitlin and I were, Caitlin and I were like, man, that's like, the, hers was perfect with, with, Churchill because you know I think Ed had a big big push for her to get there I could be wrong um but I think I'll have to ask (laughs) you can ask Caitlin I know Caitlin knows I think 
not only Ed, but Joe and Scott and everybody were very instrumental in that. And it just kind of, I feel like I was definitely in the right place at the right time. Because, I mean, there's not a lot of female analysts out there. And they were kind of, like, looking for a fresh face. I was accessible. And I, you know, other than what we do with GOAT, I wasn't, like, tied to very much else in the industry. So I think it just happened. But, yeah, there were definitely a lot of them that were instrumental for it. And I will be forever grateful for that because I kind of, you know, other than what Andy and I have built here, didn't really get a lot of chances anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it says a lot about them. It says a lot about you that you've been on the radar enough to get noticed by people like that. It says a lot about them to be looking for the next fresh face in the industry and be willing to say like this, this is something, this girl's got something like this is big potential here. So I think it's just like, um, it says a lot about really great people all around that people are willing to look for new faces and recognize potential in others, but also like for both of us to be like, yeah, like we can do that. Yeah, I think that's one. Go ahead, Andy. No, go ahead real quick. I was going to say, I think that's one thing about horse racing is, and and I mean, I hate to sound like blunt, but (laughs) eventually these old people that are like in the industry aren't going to be around forever. What are you saying? So, I mean, not you necessarily, <laughs> but like the same analysts. She says we're going to take over. <laughs> that like the same analysts that have been on TV for 20, 30 years or trainers that are in their 80s. I mean, like that's one thing that horse racing has such a problem with is like pushing for the next generations to hold on to it and to really keep it going. So I think it does say a lot for, you know, us wanting to kind of build that up. But I mean, those chances have to be accessible. I have I have two thoughts real quick I want to say and then we can wrap it up. One, one, I would love to see a Zoom show on YouTube or something where you two guys just talk horse racing for like a triple like for like on a road to the triple crown kind of thing because I think that would be crazy fun. Yeah, I mean, if Caitlin ever wants to do some Sam Houston capping and come hang out with Ed and I or be, you know, accessible for part of the show via whatever, you know, digital live stream, Zoom, whatever it might be. She's always you can't welcome. Have Ed. It just, well, I don't see why we could not it make drops, that work. It drops the, <laughs> the Q level completely down when Ed's around. So it would, I'll, yeah. I'll put him in his office with his earbuds on and then nobody will know. Okay, there we go. And then... <laughs> Um, I just lost my train of thought, which is happens when you get old. Um, it happens when you get interrupted too, so that's my fault. No, no, it's old. Uh, <laughs> forget it now. I mean, it, I'm gonna remember it afterwards, which of is of course sad. Um, so right, so. Do you do any? So uh, here we go. I remember now. Do you do anything internationally as far as like like Caitlin does with the international races? Or are you just focused on on American racing? Yeah, my international knowledge is not um, anything to write home about yet. As far as like big races that feature certain U.S. horses, like things like you know the Saudi Cup or the Dubai World Cup. 
or you know wesley warhorse is going over to royal ascot in the spring i'll tune into things like that but i don't spend a ton of time watching international racing and it's like it's definitely something i want to add to the portfolio soon i think that's something caitlin would be really good at helping you out if she decides to help you out oh absolutely of course I, I know that she's a uh, quite knowledgeable about all of that she does she she's not as good in dubai as i am though i will say that <laughs> the only thing i could say that i'm better at than her is dubai oh and by the way as we're recording this to, uh friday kafu makes his return in the al maktoum challenge round one round one round one <laughs> fight that's the son of blind luck Oh, love that horse. I actually got a um, bookmark from old friends in the mail that was of Pollard's vision. And I gave that to like one of my favorite people on the planet because she's uh, she's a big reader. And so I explained the whole story like, oh, like blind luck, one of the offspring. Love that horse. Blah, blah, blah. So that's exciting. Have you been to have you been to old friends? Not yet. It's on the list of things to do in Kentucky. Well, you know. You're speaking to a old friend's um, tour guide. Well, yes, yes, you and... are. And you know, Caitlin can tell you I have access to the entire place. Yep. Well, I did know that actually because I read your Twitter bio, and you're I about the only down. person that ever reads the Twitter bio. I, mean, I should know who I'm talking to. You think? <laughs> No, I still don't know who I'm talking to when it comes to Caitlin. <laughs> I change I change every day. She does. One minute she's, I don't like the Reds. The next minute is, I'm not talking about the Reds. The next minute she's tweeting out about how wonderful this Reds team is. You I know. mean, it's, some of that could probably be based on how well she's doing, the, you know, the score and all that. True. It's just, it's, don't even get me started on the Reds. Uh, <laughs> I always act like I'm like they'll do something to make me excited I'm like oh wow this is just going to be a really big turning point and it never is so I just need to quit getting my hopes up just with like so many other things I don't know I'm a very quirky person <laughs> hey, I love it I can't wait till this weekend this weekend, What's this weekend? The biggest weekend in Cincinnati ever and I can't wait to be there Oh, yeah, that is super exciting. I'm excited for you. I know. Huge Cincinnati Bengals fan. They're in the playoffs. They're at home. It's an awesome time to be a Bengals fan. It's a great time to be alive. And What a time. There's a good chance I'm probably going to be drunk by the end of the night. I uh, love it. Uh, but now what was I going to say about that? Oh, so you were saying you could – about the old friends. Yes. Yes. What about it? You were going to say something or just the fact? Oh, that no, that know. was it. I just knew that you worked there. So I don't. Um, we'll have to uh, go on a little tour sometime. I need to I need to meet some horses. Which ones would you like to meet? All right. So is Zulu Alpha not there anymore? No, he's there. Yeah. OK, so he's top of the list. So he's I think he's over at. Um, he's over at the the senior living center. Yeah, he's at the old people home. Yeah, is he in a wheelchair? Yeah, he is. Okay. How about Amazombie? 
Oh yeah, he's there. He's there with um, Rapid Redo. Ah, okay. Yep, I got to meet Emma Zombie because I won some money on him and his Breeders' Cup. Okay. Um, Pollard's Vision still there? Yes, he's still okay, there. Okay, so that's three. Who else? Um, there's the another one. The greatest horse in the universe. Who's that? Game on, dude. Game on, dude. <laughs> I was just going to say, there's another one. It's either Game Winner or Game On Dude. Which one? <laughs> the Dude Abides. He's yes. there. He is the All sweetest. Right. I, there are a lot of racehorses I've been around that have won a lot of money, but I've never met a horse that is so, so sweet. That's one that I've That's awesome. He is well, like, we'll have to meet him. He is the sweetest. I know. Like Caitlin, like completely forgot what she was doing when she got there. He was like, <laughs> he, he is my all-time favorite racehorse. Like I had two birthdays when Game on Dude was like first started racing. I had Game on Dude birthday cakes and like. Oh my god, I love. I it. have like a fat head of him on my wall. I have. Um, I don't have a halter of his yet, which I'm like clamoring for. Um, <laughs> I have plenty of his win pictures hung up too. So I have basically almost everything game on dude. And he was like, I don't want to say one of my first loves of racing because I had been around it for a while, but mm -hmm. he is the greatest love in horse racing I've ever had. And being able to spend time with him a few times a year is just incredible. So, right? Like, so cool. You do realize that the day that we went, that he did not have a halter on. So if you would have just gone to go look for it, just saying. Well, Missed I can't just like I can't just like get in his paddock with him. Oh, you would have had to do a set. Oh, I see it over there. Go get it, and I would have jumped in and gotten it. <laughs> I've done that on tours before. I literally stopped the tour one time because a horse went completely bonkers, and Joe Steiner. Joe Steiner couldn't stop the horse, so I had to jump in there with him to try to stop this horse. And we ended up having like such a good laugh about it because we were both sweating because we were out of shape. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's all you have to do is just say, "Hey, look, go get that right there," because they take it off. They take it off of each other all the time. That's interesting. Yeah, I'll have you to remember that next time. Biscuit? All right, good to know how to get a halter for myself when I uh, visit. Thank you for the inside info. What about Seabiscuit? Everybody likes to go see Seabiscuit. Seabiscuit's movie didn't interest me. I like Gary. No, I'd, lo I'd love to see Seabiscuit. I'm kidding. I didn't love oh. the movie, but. <laughs> I, will, I will like Gary now. I'll tell <laughs> Gary Stevens what a hack he was in the, in the movie. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that'll go long, a real long way with the fact that my sister popped him in the face one time because he said something to her. Uh, Seems like you're making friends left and right. Who? You. I've known Gary for thirty plus years. <laughs> it's one of those wonderful things. So what? Uh, on a last note, what is what is the one goal you want to accomplish in all of this? In all of my life in the racing industry? Yeah. Bring this game back to the public in a positive way. 
And I think that it's like a wordy way of saying like change and making this last for all the years ahead that it could have as a sustainable, exciting, exhilarating industry, sport, business, all of the above. And making sure that it's like when the horses that love this job and love to run are being treated right, it's the most beautiful thing in the world to me. And to just be able to show that to anybody and have them just see it and know it and feel it. It's a good way to end it. <laughs> I, I'm serious. It really is. No, it's just like it. Uh, it reminds me like the other day I was uh, watching Charge It debut and he finished like a great second on debut and I was like, I'm just saying that Technologic song by Daft Punk. <laughs> what song is that? You'll have to look it up. Oh, man. <laughs> ah. Well, thank you for coming on. Don't don't like hang up, hang up. Uh, but thank you for coming on and it was great having you. Caitlin, you're the best too. Obviously, Thanks. you always know. No, it was a pleasure meeting you both through the internet and yes. um, chatting. And thank you so much for considering me and having me on. This was a great chat. Thanks.